Hi guys. Um, before we start the episode, we'd like to um, we'd like to dedicate episode twenty one to a, a little dude called Brand, who we've spoken about before on our podcast and has impacted us quite a lot, hasn't it, Dan? Yes, it has, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's a little twelve year old chap who September last year um, was diagnosed with cancer, and unfortunately this week um, has passed away. Um, and it's uh, it's really quite affected us as as parents, and in a strange sort of way, having never met him, um, it hasn't made it any less of an impact. Um, it's difficult to watch families go through that kind of stuff, um, and the community has been phenomenal. utterly incredible, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. To provide the family with as much support as they can and there's too many names to to call out um on here to thank them there's a group called brands great company that uh, coordinated a community effort to get brand a company of of space wolves um and it kind of exploded out of that really um and i know some incredible stuff has been sent to the little guy and um we just like to wish him a farewell and on his uh, on his, his trek across the Rainbow Bridge. And um, this episode's for you, Brand. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. And um, just again, a celebration, really, of what the community can do for someone, and the and the the awesome kindness and generosity that's out there. And it is such a shame that the the ending is not. A positive one but thank you to all of you guys because that's just incredible and, and i'm proud to be part of a community that that acts in that way so um yeah i echo what ben says and and all the best to brand and as he goes to wherever he he goes and um and to his family as well Welcome, listeners, to episode 21. It's Planetary Assault Time! Good evening, Ben. Evening. Evening. So, tonight, another jam-packed and exciting podcast for you to listen to. Dun-dun-dun. You'd have to head to another channel for that one, though. What? Yes, it's out there, but it's not here. Good, Good work, good work. So... Now that, now that Ben has completely derailed your intro, put me off my flow. <laughs> PG, PG podcast. Um, so we we will go onto the hobby desk where I have been uh, somewhat flittering around, we'll say. Um, and Ben has just been marching on, picking up awards, knocking out the opposition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a very modest person, so right now he's feeling very awkward. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, then we go into the Galaxy of War, where we've got Drakari now. A um, little bit to talk about there. We've seen some really cool stuff. Games Workshop dropped it all the day after we put out the last episode, so we've got lots of stuff to talk about there. 
um, including some uh, something called Sist- Sisters of Battle. I don't, I don't know what they are. Anyway, the Mortal Realms, um, the Idenf Deep Deepkin are coming uh, out Woo-hoo! of the seas. Woo! Riding on a turtle. So they are <laughs> <laughs> they are coming to get us. Um, so we got to talk a bit about them, um, and then into the community. Lots of events. Uh, ben and I are going to a tournament in three weeks' time. Um, what is it? Only three weeks? Yeah, mate, you've got to learn the rules, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and which end of a tape measure is the right one to start with? So, um, you you got to do that. <laughs> and then, lastly, what do we even do last? Into the wilds. That's right. So, in those wild, wild places, we are going to talk about some hobbits. Crazy. Right there, we are. Oh, and also, guys, sorry for the three-week gap, but we had to have a rest. Just yeah. really hard being this awesome for that amount of t- time. <laughs> <laughs> Onwards to the modesty planet. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, and welcome to the Modesty Planet, where Dan is not welcome. <laughs> Do you oh, know, welcome to- I, I completely, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I just, the Modesty Planet, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> right, um, moving swiftly onwards. Whoa. See, if we, if we don't do a podcast for a delayed period of time, we go a little bit crazy. We have, we've gone so- a little mad. So, uh, yeah, sorry guys for the time off. Um, Dan developed the curse of Nurgle and um, my wife turned 30 and I couldn't really record on her birthday. I did not told off. that would have been frowned upon. You you don't need a man's later to tell you what to do there, do you? No. So, happy birthday, Joe. Um, uh, This one is partly um, a bit about your hobby desk too. So, um, we've both been pretty busy. Um, Dan has been the hobby butterfly incarnate if you were if you're on a facebook page you'll have seen that he has started about about six projects i think so yeah hang on Uh, one two three four five six well yes seven now seven yeah the dwarf that you painted the day (laughs) yeah well that was just before we we started recording yeah well i had this period of time where i didn't really seem to do anything well dude you've been working so hard well, I've been working long hours. I don't know about working hard. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it's been very difficult to find the time. And then we did some decorating and the hobby room sort of filled up with junk or Harriet stuff. But, you know, that's <laughs> much of the muchness. So, um, I'm just sorry. I'm just contemplating the, the pain that might come if she listens to that bit where I refer to all of her stuff as junk. Uh so, yeah, so basically now I'm on this sort of, I want everything I look at, I get excited and I decide, right, I'm going to do some painting on that. Um, I also, I think I spoke about it on the last one, uh, I had a bit of a clear out and I got rid of a load of stuff and I've, I've actually listed all my projects, um, into like two week segments. Yeah. Or little project segments. And I've got enough to keep me going for sort of three years. <laughs> and that's made me realise what bits and pieces I've got. So then I was like, oh, I want to do them. I want to do them. So I'm working on Blood Bowl Orcs, a still, which people will know about. But they are finally past the base coating stage. 
Um, I put one oh, up, actually, that I pretty much finished. Base coating is such a huge pain. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. But it's done now on them. Um, mm. And then I was merrily going away on them, and I thought, oh, Garrick's Reavers. I could finish them off. So I got them out, and there I've been doing some work on them. And I've, I've literally been like, oh, I've done some highlighting on this orc for my Blood Bowl team, but I'm bored of that now. I'm going to do some Garrick's Reavers. So they are... What have I got left to do on them? I've got to do the severed head in Garrick's actual hand, and then the, they are done apart from the bases then. So I do the bases. Ace! Which is really cool. So they should they should find their way over the line this week, really. And they're the... They're, I don't know about... I know it's not the case with the Orc, um, or the Auric ones, but the these guys come off the bases... And you are left with just the base. There's no part of the model himself on the base. Yeah, so the Oracle one has got some of their feet. The feet, yeah. So you, I'm gonna, I can just lift them off. So I'm hoping the bases will be nice and simple for that reason. In um, fairness, though, Dan, that you can, you could leave the orcs off their base. I did. Yeah, I, I've done it as yeah. well. I've done it. As so well, when you push them in, it, it it largely covers anything that you would do. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was sat downstairs with Harriet and I was like, well, I'm not just going to sit here. I've got to do some hobby. Um, so I built my four goblins for my orc team. And then I built a plague surgeon for Nurgle because obviously not been put off at all by my illness. Um, That's probably how you got it, if we're being honest. Yeah. Then I went into Games Workshop and I ended up with the little pack of three easy build plague marines yeah they're really cool and they're they're the um i think that's the only way you can get the guy with the heavy blight launcher i think it is yeah i think you're right but by the by i wanted to have i was listening to the warhammer community um this week did a how to get your army painted and they one of the things they said is do like a test model to establish the techniques you're going to use for like a speed from a to make sure that moving forward you haven't got those questions to answer you don't muck up whole units yeah so, I, I think that's a really really good piece of advice because i i do that all the time i i um i when i talk about it i call it a proof of concept yeah uh so i have an idea in my head like i mean good example at the moment is my purple goblins and um the purple that i've I haven't used the new purple range to do anything. No. Um, so I wanted to have a go, and the base coat one, which is I can't see it because it's behind my microphone. Is it Hormagaunt purple? Demonet, Demonet purple. It's actually really pale. Demonet hide. Yep. And um, I did it on a couple of them, and I was like, no, I'm going to need to do a proof of concept to make sure that they're that kind of purple I wanted, um, which I'm glad I did, because I'd have, I'd have been umming and ahhing all the way through. It's interesting, because I've never really done it. Um, yeah. And with the Nurgle, there's a few things that I was planning to do, and I thought, well, I need to try these things out. So I'm going to do Xenophil base coat. So I'm going to spray them black and then white quite soon after. Yeah. And that's going to be quite distinctive. It's going to be over most of the model. Um, 
Oh, thank you. My lovely wife has just bought me in some chocolate. Sorry, guys. Just a bit of a off kilter there. Anyway, moving on. Um, so going to do that same thing. Then I'm going to varnish them. And then I'm going to do some pin washing. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you going to use um, one of those watercolour brushes which are doing the rounds? Well, I might do now that I've seen them. I, I might order one. Yeah. I'm quite keen to give them a go, actually. They look quite cool. Yeah. So that's them. They're getting done as like a tester thing. Built them. Um, but what's, again, what's cool is like, what was, what was going on? I can't even remember now. You're doing a test model for that. Oh, that's right. I was building them. And then Tom came over and wanted to build something and he stole my clippers and stuff. And I've got loads of clippers, but I was like, I can't be bothered to find more clippers. So then I just carried on painting something else. (laughs) I was just like bing bonging around. Um, and then I built my Blood Bowl Ogre. Which I've wanted for a good few weeks, months. I've waited. Uh, Harriet bought me him for me for Easter. And then I thought, oh, I wonder how much he costs in the game. And then I, I was like, hang on a minute. I can't have an ogre in my team. Schoolboy error. But luckily, <laughs> my wonderful fellow P has come to my rescue. Cause yeah. How have you ended up with two trolls? Um, long story. Okay. A mistake, a mistake on my part. Oh, is this when we went to Warhammer World? Yeah. Ah. Well, either way, it's working out well for me because you don't have an ogre. No. And you're sort of in a need to own all the stuff. No, I don't. That's such a lie. (laughs) Okay, no, it's not. (laughs) That's not that much of a lie. I've actually quite fancied painting the ogre. I quite enjoy that. It's a lovely model. Oh, the troll is so good. Yeah, well, anyway, we're going to swap. So then I'll have a troll. Um, But you'll be glad to know I built him very nicely. So, And then today... 60 pieces of him. Yeah. Today, it's ridiculous. What the ogre? No, no, the trolls. Oh, the Nineteen troll, bits. Is it? Have you built them both? Yeah, uh, no, you, you've got that joy to come. I'm not. I wouldn't take that away for you, mate. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. You mean you're not going to paint him? No. <laughs> I'm only joking. I don't want you paint him. I know he swore at you, then, Daniel. Yeah. Um, and then today, this is how butterfly it's got now. I was watching the Adepticon roundup of the top five armies uh, performance in game for the Age of Sigmar tournament. And the second one was Fire Slayers. Yeah. And they were talking about Fire Slayers and I got excited and I was like, oh, I want to do Fire Slayers. Um, And then I remembered that I've got Silver Tower with which most of it isn't painted. So I dug out the Fire Slayer from Silver Tower and uh, I've started painting him. He's such a nice model too. Yeah, he is. He's really cool. And I've... Um, I the whole the... of that box is nice, to be honest. I, it is, it's a stunning, stunning box. Yeah. It's got some of my favourite models in. Um, oh, yeah. I can't re- remember... Oh, English. I can't remember the name of the big demon thing. Um, the Ogroid... Thalmaturge. Yes. And the, we've spoken about it before, but that Dark Oath Warchief is phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. Yes. 
And of course, the uh, um, Mistwalker Sigh. Yeah. Mistweaver Sigh. This could quite easily be just a list of everything, though. Yeah, just go down yeah. through it all. It's all yeah, very, it very good. Very nice. You're right. Um, so yeah, it's nothing's actually finished, but lots of things have been started with great gusto. You're painting there. That's what matters, mate. Yeah, it's nice to be painting. It's really nice to be painting, actually. Um, it's odd though because I'm normally like a right. I'm just going to do that and get it finished. Well, sometimes your brain needs to behave in a certain way, and I think, I think starting a few things and then sort of jump in between them can sometimes be healthy. Yeah. Um, I think that I think seven things might possibly be too many. I think Nurgle <laughs> approves. Uh, oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but. I think it could, I think it will help your brain to sort of not get bored and build yourself into it because I think sometimes if you've been out of the hobby for a while, sitting down and tackling a whole unit or a whole squad or a, a big project can be really daunting and off-putting. Yeah. Whereas if you flitter between three or four projects and do a bit of red on there and the face on that guy and it eases you in nicely. That's my wisdom for the day. All oh, right. Well, thank you for that wisdom. <laughs> I think what's quite good is that all the projects are at different stages of completion, and they're all different. And they're all different. So, so yeah. actually, the Garrix Reavers should come off that list quite quickly, um, because there's not a lot left to do to them. And then, yeah. and also like. It takes a long time doing the red on the on the orcs because I decided I would go and highlight it up and I really enjoyed doing it. But it did take a little while. It took like an hour, hour and a half maybe for an orc, basically from blocking back in the red and then edge highlighting with um, Evil Sun, Scarlet and then Wazdak and Red, is it? Wazdak and Red and then Evil Sun, Scarlet. No, no, sorry. Evil Sun Scarlet and then Wild Rider Red. That's what I did. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's like an hour and a half. And after doing one and then looking to do the next one, I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'll do something else. But I might break the Blood Bowl up now and do, I was thinking today, I might do like all the linemen and then do the Black Orcs. Yeah. And, and then do the Blitzers and then do the Throwers. Have you done the Blackhawks a different colour? No, but what I was thinking I would do is maybe put either another Agrax wash or a Null Oil wash on the skin. Yeah. Or Druchy Violet. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe I'll try that then. I use um, Screamer Pink and Druchy Violet to shade a lot of my Orcs, and I think it, it there's probably some colour wheel wizardry going on there but i think it it works quite well with my tone of orcs because i go for the slightly yellowier tones and purple is the opposite side of yellow on the color wheel mm. so I, I i mean i use uh like death world green a uh, death world forest for my goblins and um uh oh, what is the name of the green i use to base my orcs down Castellan. 
rather than, say, wire flesh. Yeah. Which is slightly on a bluier side, I think, anyway. I might be completely wrong. I'm no art student or a colour wheel expert, but I find that using the purple on it works quite well. Because mm. I suppose it's because it's the opposite side of the uh, the yellow in it. So, so what about your hobby desk then? Because that's me wittering on about mine. So, um... oh, first you can uh, we the whole point behind the modesty planet. Congratulations for oh, winning Games Workshop or no Warhammer Plymouth's um, malign portents painting competition thingy-ma-bob. With your Oryx. Yeah. Well deserved as well, mate, because not only have you created something that looks awesome, you pushed yourself with new techniques because you use your airbrush and your basin is just on a different level than what you'd done previously. Um, done some really cool stuff. So that's good. So you push yourself in those areas and to a time frame. I just think it's very, really good. I think you should be really proud of that, mate. Thank you. Um, I've enjoyed doing them as well because... They're so completely different from anything I've done before. I've always been frightened of doing white. Um, not frightened, but not convinced I could do it well. And yeah. orcs, orcs were probably a a good place to start, really. Because if I made a mistake, it just got weathered over. Um, yes. In fact, I on purpose um, allowed myself to touch the white areas to create a sort of grubbier effect on them. Mm. Um, I don't know what the technical term for that is, but, <laughs> but uh, getting the grubby, <laughs> grubby fingers all over them. Um, so what? It's difficult to know where I left off on the last podcast. Um, but you just I, I, done I suppose, the more crusher, I think. Had I? Okay. Yeah. So I did. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. So I did the um, brutes. I loved the brutes, mate. They are such nice models. Really, really fab. Um, made a concerted effort to do those in sub-assemblies because I'd really struggled to do the faces on the um, Ghoul Grunters. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because they've got those big, like, metal rims around their face. Um, and the and the Brutes had too. So most of their chest got left off. Um, and I did the Weird Knob Shaman, um, a name which amused the hell out of my kids. Um, so I I did a, I tried some things with the weird knob shave and I'm still not completely convinced on an individual level that it works, but in the army he does, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I, 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 first of all, I built, um, like a plinth of rocks that looked like they, uh, and wood looked like they'd, um, were sort of rising off the floor and balancing on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put a few skulls around and had glowing effects coming out of the skulls with object source lighting, and that looked really good. And I sat there and thought, oh, do you know what would look really cool if I messed around with some water effects and put a bit of moot green in, and then it would look like the wah was coming out of the floor, and, um, and that's what I did. And the moot green went a long way in that <laughs> mix. It did, mate. It's potent stuff. A um, lot of pigment in there. A lot more than I was expecting, and it um, it was quite it's quite overpowering. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in person because I know you're not convinced. I think it looks really nice model like pictures wise, but it'll be good to see mm. it in person. 
it's not a total disaster. It's it's quite a lot of very bright green. I think that's a problem yeah. with it. Um, and that's not for everybody. But um, yeah, I've got pleased with him. Um, I don't think there was much more. Ad- oh, my war boss, mega boss. Oh, the that model was a joy, an utter joy. Um, probably the favourite model I've painted in in six months. Apart from no, no, he is. He tops him. By a long way. I was going to say the fungoid shaman. Yeah. But no, he, he topped him by a, a country mile. He's so good. So much simplicity and great big areas for you to exercise a bit of freehand. And that skull is a, just a challenge in its own right to get the textures and the tones right across such a large skull. Um he, yeah, he was just fab. I really, really enjoyed him. And I'm really happy with how he turned out. Um, and then I, <laughs> I was sat, um, in, uh, my cousin's engagement party. Congratulations, Tamsin. And, um, I was flicking through my Instagram feed and, um, I saw, uh, what Instagram or well, one of my feeds and I saw David Soper's most yes. recent thing. And, um, I was like, oh, because David Sober's Orc was Orc Megaboss was what got me into the whole project in the first place. So I went and pulled out his pictures. Oh, it was on Pinterest. That's right. Um, I went and pulled out his pin- pictures of, um, the Orc. And then I happened to have a picture of my war boss's head at the same angle. And just for my own kind of interest, I put them next to each other to compare. And I was just blown away. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what? This guy is a, some form of painting god um it always one of the things i love about painting is that you can lull yourself into this sort of place where you think oh yeah i'm I'm doing pretty good my stuff is all right um it's pretty top quality um and you get more and more sort of convinced of you how much better you are and then you'll go to games workshop true and see tommy Saul's severin in person and be like Oh, <laughs> or you'll pick up a picture of David Soper's orc face and think, yeah, <laughs> so many leagues behind this. It, they may as well be doing a different hobby to me. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I, I would encourage people to, to do that. Get a photograph of a model done by someone who you admire. Because there is styles out there. People paint in different styles. It's one of the reasons why I think... And somebody mentioned this on one of our um, posts about, oh, my style's a bit this, and it's not really, and people don't like it. Sod that, okay? The fact that there is styles of painting is what makes this an art form rather than just painting by numbers. This is a hobby as well as an art form. And people putting their individual tastes into how they paint their models and make their table and write their army lists. That is so important. Um, and don't let anybody say, oh, I don't like your style. Sod them. <laughs> you don't need that negativity in your life. You don't. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't. Find, find someone whose style you like, whether it's, whether it's um, Blanche or you know David Soper, his pointillism style, or the beautiful cleanliness of people like Tommy Sewell. Um, and emulate it. Literally get a photograph of their model and, and get what you're doing and see if you can reproduce what you're doing. Um, 
You're not going to get anywhere near it to start with. But if you keep trying, you will. You'll think, oh, why has he put purple there? What? Why has he done that? Um, how has he done that technique? It, it's it's a way of learning without having them sat there telling you how to do it. That's my that's what I think anyway. And yeah. you can take I, it or leave it. I I think um, you just got to keep putting brush to miniature, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. And, and be willing to push yourself and try things because the thing is, you've got to be putting brush to miniature for the brush control, and then and then try stuff out. And so, finish other... stuff, finish stuff as well. Like, even if yeah. it's a, if it's an element of a miniature that you decide, I'm going to try it this way, and you get partway through, and you're like, oh, take it to the end, make a judgment call on it, and move it, move forward. Because yeah. the yeah, number absolutely. of things that just get thrown in the bin, I was awful for this. I used to, my painting never achieved what in my mind's eye I wanted it to be, so I didn't paint. Which was never going to be the result, be the answer to getting better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so other than the the oryx, I've I've piddled around with a, with a troll, um, just to have a little bit of a go at um, using different colour glazes on greens. So mm-hmm. a bit of oranges, a bit of reds, just to see how it turned out. Um, quite happy with him. He's quite good fun. He's a nice model. I enjoy him. He's from the old old metal. I hate metal. Fell off the desk and chipped a massive lump off his head. So, <laughs> um, and my and my Goblin Blood Bowl team is very nearly done. Very excited about those. I've really enjoyed painting those. Once I got past the base coats, which were a nightmare. Um, yeah, well, but- I was thinking about this, and I was like, flipping heck, he's gone and painted his Goblin team. It's taken me months on my bloody orcs. This side of Christmas, I think I started them, and that that was ages ago. And then I looked at the models, and I was like, ah. Mine are clearly much bigger, and therefore <laughs> will take longer to paint. <laughs> Surface area counts, dude. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, next... though, they must, they're must they a bit bloody fiddly, aren't they? Like, I've got four of them, and I was just looking at one just now, thinking about how I was going to paint them. I was like, oh my goodness. They are fiddly, and it's quite difficult to work out what what is what on them sometimes, which <laughs> yeah. might sound... Whether it's fingers or glove or or what, it's yeah, quite yeah. tough. But there we go. Um, I've um, there's one guy with horns sticking out of his head that I had to get the pictures up on Facebook and on um, the website to find out what on earth they were trying to yeah replicate. Because yeah. um, <laughs> I've never seen a goblin with horns. Um, he's a bit of a punk. He's got a nose ring and cheek cheek studs. So oh, right. I've done. I've done him with metal studs in his head, so they're all implants. He's uh, he's the rock star of the group. <laughs> <laughs> um, jo has done her, well, pretty much finished two of her Sylvaneth, um, which I think look amazing. She's yeah, really cool. Yeah, they do look cool. They, she's Sitting gone with the Kernoff Hunters with the bows, is it? Yeah, she has, yeah. She got into painting when we first started dating. Um, and she's she's always been good at it, um, naturally. So it's it's really nice that she's. Um, I'm really chuffed that she's decided to well, sort of pick a box up and and have another go because um, she's got again talking about style. She's got a completely different style to me. There's no way I'd have gone so bright with those bows, um, so cold. She's done a very um, 
different blue from what I'd have chosen, but I love them. Yeah, so, cool. And uh, in doing so, she's been looking for cherry blossom to go on them, and we found a pretty cool site. I would like to give a little shout-out called um, El Greco Miniatures. Uh, they've got a foliage and groundwork section, which has got some wicked stuff in it, dude. Yeah? Um, yeah, branches and leaves, cherry blossom, um, goldenrod. Um, so they're long plants with the white top. There's all sorts of flowers, um, different flocks, bushes. Yeah, great. So have a look at those guys because they're really, they're really cool, actually. Um, and Joe's going to be ordering some stuff off of there for her Silverneth, and I'll probably put in a bit with the order too. What's it called? El Greco? El Greco Miniatures.co.uk. Um, put, uh, put a link yeah, in the show notes. On yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, there is one more thing I wanted to give a shout out before we shuffle on into the uh, Galaxy of War, dude. Is oh. Green Stuff World has just released a new product. Um, oh, looks like yes. Sp- Spider's Web. Spider's um, Web. And I've, I've been looking for... It's almost like people listen to our podcast and make products for me. If <laughs> there are people doing Because <laughs> I remember we... T- <laughs> That's so, such a dumb thing to say. But... Um, <laughs> I was going to um, say, talk about some more interesting shit then. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I've been looking for, if you remember last episode, I was talking about creating a, a piece of scenery um, for my army that was a, a dangerous train or whatever it's called uh, and have it as a spider in a, in a, yes, yeah, in a log. And I've been looking for web effects or things that I could use for web effects to go with that and I haven't been able to find anything um, just as I was about to give up um, they started splashing their pictures of their new product and I was like that that's exactly what I want <laughs> so um, and talking about uh, spiders Shelob is crawling around in the corner of my shed at the moment um, absolutely massive wolf spider um, freaking me out a little bit <laughs> well uh, if you want to go and deal with that. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Get me my flamethrower. I want you... an airbrush with some... Um... Oh, that's quite with an interesting cleaning. idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, Our listeners might be thirsty, dude, because we didn't do the obligatory, or I didn't do, the go and get some refreshments, and we've been talking for nearly half an hour. Over half an hour. Well, we better go and turn to get some refreshments. So, then. guys, you get, go, go and get those refreshments. Ben's going to deal with the spider issue, and we'll be back for the Galaxy of War. Welcome back, listeners. The pod, pod thunders ever onwards, and this time it's going to get lost in the webway because we've got Drakari now, mate, haven't we? Yeah, we have. They have come. Um, trying to and think And Necrons. Out. And the Necrons. Has that happened since we last recorded? Yeah, it has, mate. Yeah, it was last last weekend. Oh, um, my goodness. Games Workshop Plymouth sold out of their copies of the Necron Codex, like, on the day. Gone. So, Ooh. probably quite popular. Yeah. Some nice new things, though, with all of these new codexes that the the I'm really, really liking how you can have a Necron army, but a Necron army that there's like five or six different builds for each of the different like chapter tactics and um, yeah. tomb worlds, and they're all different, and I'm loving it, and I, it's, it's difficult to keep up with each of them, but 
I should imagine the Necron players have already digested and turned it into sensible ways to build their armies, but loving the way you can make different stuff. Really, really mm. loving it. So have they gone for like cabals then for the Yes, yep. Dracari, yeah. Yeah. Um, um I haven't managed to specifically clock what each of them do. Um but uh, it's it's so it's quite hard to keep up with the number of releases that they're doing. Yes, um, it is. I'm still busy digesting the background that's come out about um the daughters of Cain uh, and now the Edeneth Deepkin, which we'll get onto. You know, that's sort of forward moving background. So let alone keeping up with a, a new codex every two weeks is it's really quite tough, I think. Um It's pretty rapid fire, isn't it, at the moment? But then yeah. I suppose it's getting people up to speed. Well, I think what's really exciting is what's going to happen when they're all out. Yeah, but dude, the fact that they're releasing them so quickly, but it's not just been old codexes. You know, bear in mind we've had some brand new ones like the uh um custodians. Yeah. You know, um and the uh Well Death Guard was a really big new new yeah, one. When Death that Guard came out. was yeah, and um the Imperial Knights are getting uh I know they've had a codex before, but this they're getting enough to make themselves into a self contained army now. Yeah. Um which yeah. is really awesome. Thousand so, Sons got a codex. They did, yeah. So it's not like they're holding back from their new releases either. No. No. So that's quite exciting. Kind of which one, think- I'm just interested to know which codex is going to come out, where they're going to finalise the details of um, the fact they've written the Space Wolves out of the background. Ah, uh, very good. You see, having ah. just read Ashes of Prospero, mate, I you know, can, you I can know. kiss my shiny yellow butt, because <laughs> they are not <laughs> <even> that. <laughs> they are definitely not out for the count. Um, no. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we'd love to be able to talk, well, you know us, uh, we're never going to give any sensible rules commentary <laughs> on the new codexes at the moment, um, except for the, the shiny artwork and all the stuff that comes out with it. But um, there is there is a picture on the back of the White Dwarf that there's a, there's a new model being released for the, um, um, it's red and square with four little protrusions on top. This... This is the Lego block. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what are you talking about? You there new? is a Lego block on the back of the White Dwarf. It's amazing. It made my day when I spotted that. I'm sorry, you there's seen loads it? of rustling because I'm getting it now. <laughs> I'm going to get the White Dwarf. Where? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It properly is as well, isn't it? It's yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Unabashed. Let <laughs> <laughs> go. Woo. So yeah, that's in there. Um, that's great. What's really cool in this white dwarf thinking about, uh, the tactic imperialis focuses on the, um, I haven't had a chance to read it, but, uh, focuses on the Drukari. You'd never guess, but I tend not to read the tactical articles. Well, maybe I, that's a short fall. I do and I don't. I haven't got, to, I haven't had time yet to read, read the, uh, this one um but it's a useful way of having a look at how other armies will behave if you ever come across them if that makes anything yeah i I think unfortunately what tends to happen is white dwarf arrives i get really excited when i come home from work and i open the door and it's there on the mat and then um i look flick through at the pictures while joshua's sort of tearing around and harriet's going dan help the monster's loose 
And I've once I've looked at the pictures, then if I'm lucky, I might later that evening read an article, and then by then, like life's overtaken it, and I kind of pick it up every now and then, have a quick flick. <laughs> I have considered going to getting it digitally because I tend to spend more time like in the evenings, like in bed. If you're lying in bed, I can read an iPad, but I can't. I don't want to hold up a white dwarf. Well, you you know it's bad for you all that blue light nonsense, don't you? Yeah, nothing wrong with me. No, no. <laughs> so I'm quite um I'm quite behind on the on the, on those two to be honest. I've been um focusing on some other stuff. I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. But um let's have a look because I think this is really cool. At the at the nights, dude. Because yep. we've now been treated to two more nights. Um the Armager. Is it the Armager? Oh, the Mini Knight, yeah. Yep, and th- whatever this massive gun platform monstrosity is. So, <laughs> um, I love the little one. The, the more, when you, I kind of think that there's a model of the month every month. Like, for example, last month was, um, uh, Marathi. Yeah. And it's a, it's a model where it comes out and everybody who paints just gets one and paints it. Um, and last month, all that was across my feed was all the beautiful Marathis that was being that were being painted. This last three weeks has been the armages. Um, some people are just machines that released, and then the following morning they had one painted. <laughs> good, <laughs> good job. Um, hats off to those guys. Uh, I think they're fab. I really, really do. Um, but the big one, what do you reckon on that? Because I'm not sold. Do you remember that daft picture that people did of the Repulsor, which had like 42 LAS cannons and multiple turrets and someone had photoshopped all the extra guns on it? Yeah. It kind of looks like a real model version of that. It's like someone got a a, a, a knight and just stuck gun turrets all over it. Um, yeah, it does. Um, I mean, I suppose it's that age-old caveat of all... all um... Got to see it first before you've got we to make see it in the flesh, really, haven't you? And see what can be done with it. Um, I I sort of agree with you. It it does look a bit. It almost looks a bit toy transformerish. Yeah, because of all those extra bits. But but we've seen like one picture of it so far. Um, or one video of it, or whatever it is. It's a um, bit of a. It's a bit of an odd. Designed to, well, it's not, I suppose, is it? I mean, they've used the chassis of the old one and gone with ec- extra gubbins on it. When you think about what Forgeworld has done with its variant knights, um, and some of those are just phenomenal. Um, and their bigger knight, which I forget the name of, um, is a monster. Yeah, I'll an shoot. absolute monster. It is utterly vast and I think that that is um, that is really different as well. It looks different, and at the same time as being bigger, it's not grotesque. If that makes any sense, it's quite neat and refined. Um, whereas the new one, uh, like it, I'm not sold on it. I'll we'll have to see. Um, I'm not yeah, going to write yeah, well, it. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see when it comes out, won't we? I'm sure. Um, um, as with a lot of these things, it, it's just going to be beautiful in person, but. Um, I think, like I was talking about with people's styles, it's the same with models. There's going to be some models that don't float your boat. Um, 
but you like them as a model, but you're not sold on the design, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> well, yes. okay, a really good example is um, Logan Grimlar's chariot. I mean, people can say what they want about the idea of a space wolf being pulled on a chariot by two wolves, but the model is really nice. When you have it in your hand, it, it's it's a nice, it's a nice model, um, and it was a joy to paint. But I can get people not liking it, not liking yeah. it because of the um, of the design. If that, yeah, I'll stop now while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm just letting you go, man. Yeah, I know. You just let me dig my own hole. Well, it's giving me a good sort of opening to go back and look up the um the big preview from Adepticon and look at the night again and have an and an R. So um, apparently we're gonna get a big preview like that at Warhammer Fest. Yeah, I'm really excited about Warhammer Fest, like ridiculously excited about Warhammer Fest. Yeah, me too. We should probably leave that and we we'll have a nit- natter about that in the uh community. Community section. But um yeah, so the the night with loads of guns, and then of course, another clock fell off the wall. Yeah, yeah, it did. So, so, uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, it's cool. I think, um, I think it's really interesting that they're going to get people, let people behind the doors, you know, metaphorically speaking, um, right from the outset of the process, because, because I think it's really interesting. I love design sketches. I love the, the Idaneth Deepkin article, for example, in this month's White Dwarf, where it's got the design sketches of those. It's stunning. Release books with these in, and people will buy them. Um, and being able to be party to the whole process from the from the outset, where the concept sketches are done, and then the you know watching the models come from those concept sketches, if that's what they're talking about when they're going to include us in the process, then I think that's going to be fantastic, Dan, just just for that alone. Yeah, it will exciting. be really interesting, because, um, and I agree with you, I think it'll be interesting, the impact it has on the release. I wonder yeah. if they'll watch it closely to see, because obviously, you know, one of the things that has always been, or as often, has for a long time the secrecy element of the studio you know it, it gradually got more and more and more and more sec- to, to like crazy and then it's opened up a bit but controlled by games yeah. workshop which i was i always thought was would be a great idea and and i'm really pleased to see so it'll be interesting how it goes being a lot more open with it yeah because um, it's not like other companies don't do it and don't successfully generate a lot of hype. Uh, but the problem is, their release schedules are nowhere near as fast as Games Workshop. So um, the argument that we always used to get when we were staff was they didn't want people excited about a product that was going to come out three months down the line because they'd be less excited about the product that was right in front of them that yeah. had just been released. And I think that's a valid argument. Um, yeah, it is. I, I think what's interesting is the Sisters of Battle project is clearly a heavily community focused project. Yeah. And and it's you know, it's the decision to do them is be well, it's certainly being marketed as the decision to do them. Completely driven by the community. It's a real engagement project. Yeah. Um 
And I think, you know, that will be really interesting. It will be really interesting to see how it goes, like with the sales wise, because this is a battle. Presumably, the reason we haven't seen them for so long is because they didn't sell up in the same levels as as other things. Mm. So um, this is, and it's almost like, as well. Uh, I like the idea of it. It's like putting the gauntlet down and being saying like, "Yeah, okay." So you're happy to sit there and every five minutes go, "But what about this as a battle?" Well, here you go. Have some input and then buy some miniatures. <laughs> yeah. I think um I think there's always a case with projects that you can leave something too long that it becomes awkward. Mm. And I think that's sort of what's happened with the Sisters of Battle. If you see what I mean. So mm. they've been left for so long without anything apart from that special edition print um Canoness. Um and design has moved on quite a long way. You know, well, you can a, see that from Celestine. Yeah, aesthetics have changed quite a lot, uh, and I think they're going to be wanting to keep it. Um, so they're clearly sisters of battle because people like that image, um, but put a new slant on it. But you leave that too long, and it becomes more and more awkward. Mm. And now there's there is quite a burden of expectation, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, squats are another great example. If you went to do squats again now, um, people would uh, people would have a huge expectation on that, uh, and the models would have to be absolutely kick-ass. Um, otherwise, people would be very disappointed, and disappointment is a bitter pill for a lot of, uh, for a company to to get over with a product yeah. release. Um, I think you're right in what you say. In you know, with the squats being having that element, this of pressure to get it right if they do them but i think with the sisters of battle you've got that added thing of the their uh well with the exception of some of the preacher models they're an all-female army yeah and how that's going to be portrayed um how are they going to be sculpted what you know it's i guess it's it's a brave area to move into and but i think it's a good idea to keep the community involved and, and keep your fingers on the poles it'll be interesting though because Obviously, the opinions are going to vary wildly. If you take a hundred people that like Sisters of Battle, they're all going to have different opinion on what what they should be. Absolutely. So, um, I think if they stick with yeah. if they stick with badass warrior women, we're going to be in for a treat. Yeah, because that's what we want. So, um, can I talk about um? Ashes of Prospero, dude, because I'm so excited about it. Of course you can talk about Ashes of Prospero. Can I talk about it and and drop a few spoilers? Will people get upset? I've given us a spoiler warning, Ashes of Prospero, because as a Space Wolf player, it was a big, big deal for me, this book. And thank you, Gavin Thorpe, for addressing some of these issues. Um, I absolutely loved the way he deals with Space Marines, uh, Space Wolves. That he highlights the things that make uh, are important to a space wolf, like the connection with humanity, um, and I've been wanting to know how the space wolves would react to the Primaris. I, I mean, we haven't heard anything about it really. Um, and as a space wolf player, the Codex is now the last one essentially to come out, um, and it keeps there's no sign of it on the horizon at the moment, and they keep dragging it on. Um, to find out how the Space Wolves view the Primaris was a real treat because it fits with their background so well. 
that they're they're worried that because they're so they're another step detached from humanity that they will lose their connection with what it is they're supposed to be defending. And so it's not about it them being heresy or um you know, it's one of Krull's heretical projects or and they're not even worried about whether or not the Wolfen is gonna be more prevalent or less prevalent. They're worried about that simple concept that are the soldiers going to be so detached from what it is they're fighting for that they forget what it is they're fighting for? Um, and I found that, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That for me fitted the bill perfectly for a space mm. wolf. Um, I particularly liked the idea that when they were looking at it, there's a, there's that slight arrogance that comes with the space wolf. <laughs> um, that they're not particularly worried about how their primaris are going to be because they've, They've got really close links with the Fenrisian people. So the Fenrisian people see them quite a lot. And particularly mm. now, they're still mopping up the Thousand Suns leftovers. Um, so there's a great scene in the book where one of the champions goes down to, um, Arjak Rockfist goes down to, uh, deal with a, a warp tainted, um, worm with a Y. Um, and there's a great interaction between them and him and him 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 thinking about as to why Grimnar sent him down there because the people of Fenris are so important to them um both for the future of the chapter and and to remember where it is they came from um and they have Fenrisians in and amongst the fang and they have Fenrisians working on that that huge forge island where they make the products so they're not particularly worried about losing touch with where they've come from but they're worried about other chapters being too distant Mm -hmm. and i think that's quite interesting because if you're a space marine chapter in a fleet for example you could really lose contact with reality (laughs) yeah it's it's also quite cool because it harkens back to the whole reason of the space walls in the first place Mm. with the sort of executioners yeah yeah so yeah and it gives a list of the primarchs that um because uh grimlar sent niall out to uh to have a think about uh, you know, reach out and see whether he can make contact or see any signs of rust coming back. Um, and he makes a very good point uh, when Niall says, I can't see anything of him. He's like, well, that's a good thing there because remember he said he was only going to come back at the end times. And if he's not back, that means there's still hope. Um, yeah. Which I thought was quite a good point, to be honest. Um, but but a little does... disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does give a list of the Primarchs that he has seen visions of, which was... Um, quite cool. Should I go through those? Yeah, yeah. Another spoiler alert, guys and gals. Um, so you've got, uh, the ones that we already know of. So we've got Matarian is mentioned. And, um. So who, who, which bit was it that you thought, oh, that's Matarian? Uh, I haven't got the book with me, but he talks about, like, the, something. Is it of, the Lord of the Dead bit? Yeah, Lord of the Dead or Decay. Because um, I was, I was zooming in over which one that might be. I, it, death, I think it is. He says. It came across as Mortarian to me, big time. It really did. Um, Thousand Suns, guys. Uh, the the one eyed pigeon is mentioned. Um, Mortarian is mentioned, and um, so what he says is, um, <clears throat> even so, I saw a sleeper entombed in rock, a white storm that rode upon a chariot of lightning. Yeah, shadow rises to the call of the All Father's messengers. A darkness that strikes from within. The benighted ones return. Their su- supernatural gazes upon our worlds. The eater of worlds. The corpse king. And the misbegotten child move once more. The cyclopean fiend we have already seen. 
and even the golden one has broken his gaze from the Empyrean again. So should we go through those? Yeah, so Sleeper in a Rock. That's got to be the lion. It's got to be the lion because he's asleep in the rock. <laughs> yeah. White Storm that rode upon a chariot of lightning. So I, I think that's Jagatai. I'd love but that How to cool be would that be? I was talking to Ben, um, ben the Bass today about that. And yeah. uh, it, it would be great to see the scars because they're, they're really, you don't really see much about the scars. I found out a bit of their background the other day that I've never come in contact with. They don't like interring their marines in dreadnoughts. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that at all. I've no? been doing this for 20 odd years and not know that. That just goes to show how on the fringe they are of like, yeah, I'd love to see the Khan come back. Love that. So that would be ace. Um, if only to see what a space marine bike looks like designed now. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. So that would be sweet. Um, oh, Jacketai Khan on a, on a special bike. Do it. Do yeah. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Get Orange County Choppers to build it. <laughs> um, yeah. A shadow rises to the call of the All-Father's messengers. I think that's Korax. Uh, yeah. A darkness that strikes from within. So, yeah, you'd, th- yeah, you'd think so. And then it's on to the um, the, the proper Primarchs. So, uh, yeah, the, the Eater of Worlds. So, that's my man. That's Angron. That has to be Angron. Angry Ron. He's coming. Um, now the corpse king. So is that what you're thinking? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah that's got right. to be Matarian. It must be. Maybe. Who do you think it is? Well, I don't really. I don't know. But the only reason I don't think it's Matarian is because by the point of this book, Matarian had appeared, hadn't he? And yeah. The, yeah but it, he's he talking... says here the Cyclopean fiend we have already seen, but it doesn't talk about the corpse king we already know about. Yes, but the corpse king is on the other side of the galaxy in Ultramar, isn't he? So, oh, right, okay. they may not have had a direct communication from from there saying we're dealing with the flying maggot sack. So, <laughs> a misbegotten child, Fulgrim. That's got to be Fulgrim. And then um, the golden one, Lorgar. Yeah. I think that Lorgar and Jagatai are nice and outside of the box and would be really cool models as well. Yeah, different. Not the obvious choices. But we, hang on, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I know. They're not definite, but that book is strongly indicates that they're going to be... We're like, this book says these are the release schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's quite an interesting bit. Um, the end of the book's the bit that really I like. So the whole premise of the yep. book is that a small part of a Thousand Suns psyche makes it into Nial Stormcaller um, and tells him that in the kind of forget what he called it, but a sort of Thousand Suns constructed webway. Um, there's a whole company of uh, the 13th company, and uh, Nial uh, takes that information to Ulrich the Slayer, who tells him he should purge his mind immediately and yeah. repent his sins <laughs> and s- stop being a heretic. Um, so he goes to Logan, and they have a conversation about it and decide that it would be a good idea to at least go there and have a look. Because if nothing else, it was it'd be quite a good, uplifting thing for the spacers to do to walk on Prospero again, having just dealt with an invasion on Fenris. Yeah, um, and they go there, and it's it's really really cool because you've got this Thousand Suns guy who's not a not an asshole. He's a proper old thirty k space marine. Yeah, and he's not chaotic at all. 
and uh, he's he's like, Nyan will do something, and uh, this this guy's will be in his mind going, "Oh, you barbarian! Don't you understand a clue what you're doing?" <laughs> um, at the same time, Nyan will do something like that's quite visceral and and primal, and uh, the Thousand Suns guy will be like, oh, "That's quite impressive." Um, so it's quite cool. They could develop a sort of relationship, but um, to cut a very long story short, and it's a spoiler here, guys. Um, Nyal manages to get the spirit back into the body that had just been killed by the Thirteenth Company because time is a bit distorted there. And the Thirteenth Company Wolflord flips out and goes to shoot him again. And then Arjak jumps in the way, takes the blow on his shoulder, and then one of the other Thirteenth Company intervenes as well. Because they've just found out that Horus yeah. has turned against the Emperor. And the guy's like, t- to his captain, is like, don't you see what's happened? It was Horus that gave us this kill command. And that Thousand Sons and every Thousand Sons that we've come in contact with and who's spoken to us on this planet have said they've done nothing wrong. Can't you see what's happened? And there's a moment where there's like a company of modern space wolves and a company of 30k space wolves. And the Thousand Sons are all just standing there looking at each other like, yeah, we've been played. <laughs> so good. And I, I, I quite like the fact that they they have now revealed that, that piece of information to the current timeline. So as much as the, all, all of the people involved are under no illusion that the current Thousand Sons are heretical scum and need to be purged. In fact, yeah. the old Thousand Sons, like, I'm going to stay here and crotch punch Magnus as best as I can. Um, because he is just a tool now. Um, but the 13th company are coming back with all of their equipment. Um, and they've also found like a good 30 or 40 old thousand sun suits of power armor as well. So they're all coming back. So the space wolves are getting a bit of an equipment boom too. So I'm quite to see what, excited to see what's going to be in their new codex, whether or not they're going to be able to take things like the Spartan. Um, cause that's in the book. The Stormbird is in the book. Um, so that'd be quite exciting. It's a really good, it's a really good book and it pushes forward like the storyline for the space was really quite nicely. It's not, it's not just a gap filler at all. Good. So yeah, that's my excitement about that. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> I, good. I was looking up to see if it was an audio book because, uh, no. really I can't read. So that's before fun. we turn on to another subject and get fully excited and turn this episode into a three hour monster. We probably ought to head into the Mortal Realms, my friend. I think that would be wise. <laughs> yeah, All right, guys. Let's do that then. We'll see you on the other side. Bye. Welcome back. Uh, we are in the uh, Mortal Realms. And it's in the sea. In the sea. So, dude, I I got quite excited about this. Yeah. In fact, I got more than a little excited about this because the, the Idaneth Deepkin are a really special release for lots of different reasons. Um, they're like the Caradron Overlords in that they are pushing the boundaries out to, to places that you couldn't have done before. It's an army that you couldn't have released in Warhammer. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You, you couldn't have done it. It's so Age of Sigmar. Um, and it's pushing forward the elven backstory as well, which is really, really cool. And some of the mechanics that they've built into their rule set are just so 
good. Really, really <laughs> loving it. Um, oh, I've got to find a way of prizing them into my painting schedule. So what's your be- favourite bit about them? Uh, so I, I love the sort of the dynamic of some of the sculpts. So they're so fine. Like the, the fish. Yeah. The little shoals of fish. Yeah. I think that's just, just phenomenal, really. Um, I like you really like the fact that it's something that really would clearly not have fitted in the Warhammer world as it had been written. Um, up to the point that it, it was no more. No. So it's nice to see something totally different. Um, the background's quite, quite cool and interesting with the souls and the search for souls. I like so- the idea that unlike the Dark Eldar, who's, who, who are all wasting away soul wise, some of these guys are completely fine, but they're like the minority and then the majority are the ones that don't have the soul. It's because they're their children. Yeah. So the first generation that Teclas created and then turned against him and his ideology and then Teclas tried to kill them all and they ran into the sea. Um, that is a potted history of the Deneth Deep Kids <laughs> in, yeah. in one sentence. Um, when they started to have children, they, their children were born with like corrupted or incomplete or malnourished souls, um, but they have found a way to rejuvenate them and extend their own lives by stealing other souls from other people. Mm. Um, they're an order race, which is interesting. So they they will fight tooth and nail against chaos, but um, they're quite happily raid humans and elves. I think what I really like is how like it's split up. It's much more akin to sort of D and D idea of order, yeah, or good or what have you. Um, because you got order, order, chaos, destruction, and death. Order doesn't necessarily mean good guys. It just means people that have a civilization. Yeah, I they, suppose they're quite like there to be some structure to the world rather than just rampant chaos. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. For me, I think one of the things that I really love about the models is how dynamic, how much movement there is, how much color there is. Um. Across the whole army, uh, uh, there's some having those fish around and having the fish that are riding on and the turtles. They kind of don't make sense, but they do make sense, and that I just think that's wicked. <laughs> well, it's cool how they like summon. Basically, they summon like the sea magiciness with them. There's a guy there with a flipping swordfish. What's going on there? It's called the Ethersy. or the Ethersy. That's Amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's that hero with, like, the dangly light in front of him. Yeah. And he's got a swordfish going on. That's brilliant. See, it's really cool because when these guys were first shown, I must have been having a bad day. I'd got out of the wrong side of the bed because my bed isn't against the wall. And um, I was like, no, no, what the heck? And then I don't know how. I just don't know which part of my soul was operating because I look at them now and I can't. I they're just amazing. Mm. They're just amazing, mind you. I think everything I saw that day, I was having a grumble at. Somebody could offer me a twenty quid, and I said, "But it's scrunched up." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love them. 
awesomeness. I like this tides thing. Oh, I love the tides thing. What what I love about it is it's powerful, um, but and we were discussing this, I think, a bit before we started recording. It can make them really predictable. Yeah, but then you can... It makes them predictable, but you can play on that as the Idenf player as well. Yeah, it makes it really multifaceted. So you could end up in a situation where you're... You, you know, you, you, your opponent could think, oh, he's going to be doing this at this point, and she's going to be trying for that. Um, and then you could you could play the army, so you don't end up following what everyone expects you to follow. So I just think it's really clever. It's quite a new... I, I don't know if the Nurgle, the way the kind of Nurgle tree thing... Um, Help me out. You're a chaos player. I don't. Feculent no, 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 no. How the, the Nurgle? Oh, the wheel of... cycle of corruption. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that badger. How that works? Um, whether that makes them quite so predictable. It but... does, but you can. I. I mean, it depends what comes up when the rest of the book comes out. Because with the Nurgle one, you, there's quite a few abilities where you can move it. Ah, uh, I see. Because this one is this one is really predictable. Yeah, but you don't know yet because uh... there might be an item or something that's like. I don't know. Okay, yeah, that makes you change, makes you change the tide. It. So um, let's let's sort of go through it a little bit because I think it'd be quite use- well, quite cool um, to to go through how it works. So essentially, every turn they get um, an army wide cool rule. A- an army wide cool rule. Um, apart from the fact that they have already got a rule um, called forgotten nightmares, where they disappear from people's consciousness. So that- and that's really cool because all the stories of them are really vague. So it's as if the people who've seen them were like, there, there's a thing and it came out of the mist and it killed us and it's gone. And so what was the thing? It, an enemy of some description? I can't tell you what it really was. really protects um, the characters, that rule. And yes, so missile weapons can only be used to target an Idaneth Deepkin unit um, if it's the closest visible enemy unit. That's super cool because when you're fighting against things like Stormcast with their ridiculous range bows... They can just pull apart your characters in minutes. And I think that that, that is going to really protect your characters, which makes me think that the Idaneth Deepkin characters are going to be super important. Mm. Do you reckon we'll get we'll get to so, see them for um, Shadespire? Cool. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So Tides of Death. Um, in turn one, it's low tide. Um, and all of the people with that battle trait are treated as being in cover. Uh, and two, turn two, it's flood tide. In this round, all of the units with that trait can either shoot or charge in the same turn that they've run, but not both. Um, and then turn three is high tide. This is this is my favourite one. Um, in this battle round, units with the Tides of Death battle trait will fight before all other units. <laughs> so basically, all the Deepkin get to fight first. Yeah. Um, and then Ebb Tide is turn four. In this tide, all the units with the Tides of Death battle trait can retreat and can shoot and charge in the same turn. Um, can either shoot or charge as well as retreat. Um, and the repeat, um, turn five onwards is repeat from step one. Uh, so I think that's really cool because you can, like I said, you can make people think you're going to go for high tide and, and, and charge on that turn and really hit hard. Um, or not. People could be like, oh, is he going to do that? Or is she, she going to play with that and, and keep the units back? And then they're they going to play defensively and, and you'd be scared to go near them because if they charge you, they're going to kick your ass. <laughs> it's going to be wicked. <laughs> really, it's going to be cool because 
Yeah, I think it adds a whole new element, and it really f- makes them feel like a, a raiding army as well. Yeah, oh yeah, that they're coming out of coming out of the mist, and they're sort of approaching you really quickly, and then they're hitting you really hard, and then they're going away again. Oh, yes. have you got a favourite model? I absolutely love the turtle. Yes, I think the turtle is phenomenal it's not as big as i thought actually which i'm quite pleased about so there's a really cool video that um games workshop have released with the chaps from age of sigbra who uh is about as excited as i think they did a good job to control themselves if i can yeah. <laughs> so i had to flip um and they're playing with the models and um it's not quite as big as say like i think probably it's about the same sort of size as the spider yeah about that big isn't it i think that's a nice size because if it was bigger i think it'd be quite overwhelming yeah um i think um well you were on about doing it as a joint army with joe weren't you yeah she's she loves them mate absolutely loves them and it would really fit her her uh, style of painting with the bright colors that she goes for so um yeah she's already searching websites for coral to go on the basis <laughs> <laughs> that's good ben is um, um ben is gonna reckons he's gonna do them Ben the bass. Yeah, Ben the bass. So, um, and, and every day at the moment, just to try and like make sure he does, I'm sending him a picture of a different sea creature, just randomly. I thought or, he was doing beast claw raiders. Well, see, <laughs> he what? What the heck was that? Are you okay? <laughs> yes, mate. Uh... Have you got a poltergeist? No, one of the. I've got like a thing that holds up the paint, the spray cans, and it fell off, and it just flipping heck, I nearly died then. <laughs> I never jumped so. My life. <laughs> it's the it's the internet deep can mate. They're coming for you. Are you are you recovered? Yeah, I'm oh leaving my... this in. By the way, oh my goodness, spite <laughs> <laughs> the life out of me. Right. Oh, excuse me a moment. Where were we? What were we, we were talking, talking about? about oh, ben, yeah, ben. Beast Claw Raiders. Thing is, I think that he should do these. <laughs> That's what I say. I just think there's a bit more variety. Yeah, I love so many things about them, like the fact that their foot troops are blind. I think that's really cool. That is cool. The weapon designs, the chap, the chaps, and the back of the uh, the the eel things with the crests on their helmet, the shark with the two riders on. There's so many good things in there. The dude with the octopus. Yeah, is... he's brilliant. He's like a special character, isn't he? I think. No, no, no. He's he's a, he's you know, he's a, he's not a named character. He's a special character. Yeah, he's a um, soul warden. Yeah. Record the number of souls kept within the a word that Games Workshop has made up and I can't pronounce. <laughs> Coralliums. Coralliums. When more souls are required, often to sustain the lives of the Nomati, I don't know who they are, I've forgotten, then um, he sends out a raid. Yes, it's really cool. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, they are very nice. What else is coming out for more realms, man? Sorry, I, I, I've got the pages open and I'm looking at the models and I've just gone into a stupor. Tumbleweed. Yeah, what else is coming out? So, uh, Silver Tower. Oh, Silver Tower. Shadespire. The two new uh, gangs are 
Two new war Very bands close. and lots of chatter now about the next sort of series, as it were, for that. Yeah. Um, uh, now, yeah. Now that the sort of the eight, um, eight that we w- could have had a good guess at appear in, based on the shade glass picture in the in the rules. I'm hoping they go for something really different. No yeah. more. Um, yeah, I don't want to see any more corn or um, stormcast. Right. Really okay. Don't. Sorry, I'm having a drink. Well, um, you just because have a look. Hmm. I'd like to see some of the other stuff. Units of elves. I haven't got a single elf in there at all. No, that's true. So well, um, we'll probably see some of them. Sylvaneth be quite cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caradron overlords would be a pretty sweet army. <laughs> yeah. Some of their weapons, some of their guns, and um, they've got things like the the drill drill beak thing that yes. the units have that yeah. they can send out and cause a mortal wound in uh, Age of Sigmar. So that would be quite that'd be quite a wicked little thing to have as a card mm-hmm. um, to play in the game as an upgrade or something. So. Yeah, I, they've got plenty of options, haven't they? Idanith Deepkin, for goodness sake. Yeah, there's loads of cool options for which way they could go. I might actually pick up the the Corn Warband. You could shock me. <laughs> well, I haven't picked up... <laughs> that, that little chuckle. <laughs> well, I haven't picked up the, the Dwarves and the Skaven yet. Yeah, but they're not Chaos. No, no, they're not. To be honest, I still haven't quite finished the bloody Starter Box ones. So, get that done first. Yeah. Well, you got you got a base them, and a head, a dead head, a dead head and a base. So, hopefully, we'll get that done. Um, is that ship coming out? Do you reckon as a piece of scenery? It's in that video, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's in that video. It, it's a, yes. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Bit of scenery. Be nice. Gonna cost me a lot of money. Ooh. We're um we're off to an Age of Sigmar tournament at the end of the month, aren't we? Yeah, so like as much as you joke that I'm going to need to learn how to play, I it's totally true. I had a great game with uh, Rob, um, Rob Jack Rob, and uh, I enjoyed it against his character and overlords. He there was a lot of handheld holding from his part. This is really nice to play against someone who is used to teaching people how to play. Mm. Um, as a staff member, so it it was uh, it was really useful, and there was also um, had a lot of time to talk to to Brooke and watch a game that he played, and see how he used his uh, Auric army. He has a very brute heavy Auric army. Yeah, um, we, we put up some pictures of it. Yeah, um, a few weeks back. So there's there's a lot for me to learn. I'm going to have to go through the general's handbook. Um, print out or photocopy the pages and sort of compile it together so I can understand the wire and the have a good old read of the artifacts and choose which ones I'm going to go for because as much as I understand the core rules I'm still not there with being completely confident how to use the oryx mm-hmm. um, so I mean as much, as much as the tournament I'd love to go in there and, and win every game and masterfully defeat everything that comes in front of me that is clearly not going to happen um, so it will be <laughs> it will be a learning experience for me as much as anything else. It's just a nice way to get three good games in, I think. Yeah. Um, and as long as people I play against have fun, I don't really I don't really care what my outcome is, win, lose, or draw. No, honest. I mean to be honest, it's just nice to play three games, isn't it? Really yeah, good. it is. Um, 
I don't think I'm going to be able to get my Maw Crusher into a thousand points, which I'm a bit sad about. But you need to bring it up though, because I want to see it. I try. It's not an easy thing to transport. I'm not interested in whether it puts you out or not. Oh, oh, I just want to see it. Brutal. <laughs> well, you can have to drive down to Plymouth and look at it in the cabinet then. <sighs> yeah. So on the note of that army, it's um, the Malay importance has finished. I had a bit of a strop last week because, um, or last episode. I don't know if I had it on the episode or in the conversation before the episode. I got no. a bit salty because uh, it was... It was starting to look like it was all stitched up so um, Nagash would just win. Um, And then you put everything into perspective and asked me, oh, well, what what would be a win for you? And, you know, (laughs) but anyway, so it actually ended up being quite cool. So I don't know if anyone's been following it, but uh, the last time we spoke about it, um, we'd, well, I say we, the community had uh, chosen to try and attack Nagashizar, um, which Games Workshop commented on top points for ambition, which is <laughs> quite funny. And um, and it didn't go well, which is when I threw my toys out the pram. But then uh, we chose Hope from the Darkness from the last one. We chose the dragon option, uh, which was that the sacrifice of all these people trying to attack Nagashizar uh, was actually too much for even Nagash to deal with. Um, so, in the oubliette, which is where they were all stuck, they uh, they all kind of got together and planned a, a jailbreak. And um, what the souls? Yeah, combining their strengths with those of heroes and villains of ages past, Nagash's great prison was broken open, releasing the souls of legends of both the past and present to rejoin their patrons. Ancient heroes now return to their ancestral armies, and the anvils of Heldenhammer, in particular, have seen their ranks swell. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, um, Nagash is still moving things forward, and their parting comment at the wrap-up was, um, something great and terrible is coming to the mortal realms. Um, So we don't know what that is. We do. It's a big spiky purple ball. Oh, yes, but we don't know what that big spiky purple ball is. No, we don't. (laughs) Which was one of the other things that was uh, hinted at in the... um... Uh, Adepticon. Adepticon. I'd love to be able to go over to Adepticon. I, I always love watching Adepticon happen. It's just very it's... sad that it's such a long way away. Yeah. Well, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. I know um, the family would love to go over to Universal Studios. I don't even know whether Adepticon and Universal Studios are even in remotely the same part of America. <laughs> I don't think the... Uh, I. I'm not convinced the English mind can comprehend the scale of America involved in that country. No. <laughs> no. So you fit the whole of Britain into Texas, practically. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Um, what do you think those purple floaty head things are that look a little bit like those things from Dungeons & Dragons? I have no idea. Well, they're... They're reminiscent of. They remind me of the purple sun. I I think that there'll be an another extension to ways to play the game narratively. Yeah. So like they'll float around causing havoc and stuff. That's, I think that's going to be more than the purple head. Oh yeah, there'll be lots of stuff. I'm sure, but it remains to be seen. Mm. 
Oh, and there's a black coach coming. Oh, is that what you think that is? I'm I'm convinced that that is what that is. Yeah, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> that wasn't even a sentence, was it? But <laughs> the, <laughs> the video shows p- uh, snippets of um of a model, and I think it's the black coach. Yeah. The old black coach is so old, it's it's quite hilarious. I know. But the, the worst bit about it is just you building it. Have you this got new one? one will be like plastic awesomeness. No, but I did have one, I think, once. Why on earth did I have one of those? Goodness knows. Doesn't matter. I am so over metal. <laughs> <laughs> I am. That troll falling off the side, it just, all it did was fell about three inches and hit his head on a paint pot and it took such a chunk off of his head. I mean, I don't mind I suppose like the little models but when they get to like the size of a troll I'm over that completely. Goodbye, good riddance. Bring on the plastic. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't think there's much more to talk about. I mean, we could I think it's probably time for us to move on to the the community, isn't it? Into the community. Yeah. Cool. Refreshments. Other stuff. Forward. Next section. See you soon. Bye. Hail, community folks. Guys, we're into the community section. So in here, we'll have a quick scroll through um, the rather nifty events calendar that Ben has Google used magic Dude. and... Um, wizardry to get onto it's our website. It's not complicated, you heathen. It's just, just put a <laughs> detectophobe. <laughs> I shall feign ignorance in fear Roped that I will be using it. <laughs> ordered to do something. <laughs> I have added at least three events to that calendar. Good, excellent. You can add more. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we'll have a look we at have that. had a few extra um, this week that we didn't shout out about because obviously we're recording late. Um, but we'll go over those too. Oh, good. Well, that's nice to know. And we've also got to talk about the fact that, well, we've already spoken about us going to the if the tournament, haven't we? But we are excited because Warhammer Fest is nearly here. Oh yes, me, I am going to explode. Are we going to stay for both days this time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, there's more of us this time. There's six of us this time. Um, and uh, guys, seriously, sort of if you want to meet up with us for a drink or whatever, just give us a shout because we're we're up for having a bit of fun. So yeah, um, Dan will get drunk. I will I laugh. Set beer bribes. Yeah, <laughs> Ben doesn't drink, but I drink on his behalf if needed. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. To be honest, though, I'm just I'm I'm fairly similar. Anyway, because of the levels of excitement. So. Oh, when you're drunk and not drunk. Yeah, it's just you're you're coherently excited when you're not drunk, and you're incoherently excited when you are. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. hoovering the floor of Games Workshop Plymouth after the 40k release? Yeah, but that was I was tired. Yeah, so. that might need to be posted. Now we've said it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hilarious! Good times. Good times. Anyway. I think, um, like we've mentioned at the start, um, in the community section, it would only really be fair to, to say how proud I am of being a member of a community, which has 
has risen up and given their support to a family who needed it. Um, I don't want to labour the point too much because, um, well, they're grieving and it, it's, it's it's not appropriate, but um, really feel quite, well, very proud to be part of that community. Um, yeah. So thank you, everyone. Um, so events coming up today was the Vaults of Curtain Quickfire uh, Shadespire. Which was quite interesting. I had a quick fire shade spire is apparently one round. Oh yeah. Which is quite an interesting way yeah. of playing a quick game anyway. Um, mm. so, you know, to, to sort of spice up this interaction from one end of the southwest to the other, it appears as if the Cornwall guys, uh, made the top three spots, I'm afraid, Dan. So, uh, well, that's, that's you fine. northerners are going to have to yeah. do a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so quite cool actually though. Quickfire Shade Spire. I don't know if that's something that Games Workshop have put in their events pack as an idea or whether that's something that Curtain Games has come up with, but I really like the sound of that. I thought that was that that's quite a neat idea. Um yeah, so that's cool. So that happened today. So. And was that do you know if that was one that had was it like a supported one? You know where you get the trophy I more? don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Be cool if they did interesting to find out yeah it'd be quite interesting if it was a, a games workshop thing hmm. dude i'm sorry i have to interrupt because i've just seen a really flipping awesome set of conversions of the um shade spire skaven but with goblin heads on yeah that's yeah. really cool they look ace they look really good send send me some pics of Save that yeah well i'd better send it to you so you can put it in the show notes now since we're just apparently just having a chat <laughs> So let's go through what we've got coming up. Mad Four Miniatures has got the 40k Spring Championship um, on 14th of April, which is next Saturday. Um, there's the massive salute in uh, oh. XL in London on the 14th of April. Have you been yet? I haven't. No. Nope. No. Um, that's a big one, guys. It's um, we've spoken about it a little bit before, but it's it's very much a chance for uh, companies to show off their stuff rather than games and that but um some great deals there because the the trade stands are all there so if you're local or fancy a journey up that that was definitely worth going to apparently i think there's going to be a bit more on the gaming front this year that would so, be cool. no well i think foreground for example are taking tables for people to play on around their scenery um I think Drop Zone Commander, those guys, TT Combat guys are doing something like well, that. TT Combat, we're at Adepticon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> They've got to be at Salute if they're at Adepticon. <laughs> oh, no, I know they're at Salute. I'm talking about are they, um, what's going to be there. Because my experience in the past, uh, the first time I went to Salute, you had that kind of, oh, my days. This is loads of stuff. And the second time I went, I have to be honest, it, it was just such a flipping joke getting there and back because of the traffic. Um, it just broke it, really. Because uh, yeah. it was not... It, it, there's too, There's so many people, and you're trying to look at stands, and oh my goodness, it was just ridiculous. But um, it is an eye-opener if, you've not, if you're not aware of the wider hobby. Um, yes. It's a, it's a real eye-opener. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I would encourage... How to put this? So we know that we get people who just go straight for our Into the Wild section and don't listen to anything else in the podcast. And I'm fairly sure that there will be people who 
go straight for the 40k section or straight for the Age of Sigma section um, and get thoroughly disappointed by how little we know about those. Um, or just straight to the next podcast in Podbean. Yes. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but but there is a lot that of crossover that can be really, really useful. Um, so I, I do encourage people to um, go to things where, like Paw is a really good example where there was loads of different game systems there. Um, loads of different scenery companies um, and model making companies and there's a lot you can pick up from ha- techniques that you can pull in from other places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just simple, uh, it's a really good example. Weathering tanks comes from painting airfix tanks. You know, I mean that's an established technique that's been around for a long time and people have been doing on 40k tanks from the outset but that kind of crossover is driven from that kind of place and you can find lots of wicked stuff just by going and having a look so salute is a perfect place to do that um next weekend on sunday is the terror bowl uh, which is a blood bowl event at terror games which is in newton now but i don't know i think we've given them a shout out before um yeah yeah so that's a love we are getting into blood bowl so <laughs> i'm half tempted to uh See if there's tickets for that, to be honest. Although I would get absolutely panned. Um, <laughs> With your goblins. I would. Um, so there's the Raising... I, I can't pronounce this, guys. Um, the Wiltshire guys um, have done the Raising a Seleucius Prime 40k tournament. Um, that's... Um, yeah, South Wiltshire Wargamers are putting that one on, which is... Uh, it's got a nice little pack as well, so it looks really well organised. If you're local to that, that would be worth looking up if you're looking for a 40k event. Um, and then the, the weekend after, it's got my favourite named event of the of the uh, of this episode: crits, <laughs> crits and pasties, the infinity tournament, um, and that's down at uh, Barb's Models in Red Ruth. I think that's you know- brilliant. Crits and pasties. That yes. is brilliant. <laughs> Do you know, it, it goes to show, though, doesn't it? Like, I I wouldn't have thought there's enough people that play Infinity in Cornwall to warrant it. But clearly there are. Yeah, clearly there are. But there we are. So that's um, quite cool. And at the same weekend, Curtin are running uh, Death and Glory 40k doubles tournament, which I believe a couple of the guys from the Bobman Gaming Group are going down to. So that's quite cool. And their events oh, were always good. wicked. Uh, and then, following the following day of that is um, the big Bristol Independent Gamers big Forty K Spring Tides um, event. So busy couple of weeks. April is looking to be quite packed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to give a shout out to to Jay in Bristol because Bristol had its birthday on the Saturday just gone. Um, yesterday, Woo! in fact. Happy birthday! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping he had a cracking time. I had hoped to go, um, but I had, I've only really today recovered from my Nurgle infestation, which is why I didn't end up going down. But um, so I'm sorry because I did say I might see some people there, um, and if you saw me there, you did well because I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but uh, Game Search Chris Causeway's got its birthday. Um, the weekend after the spring tides at Big and the, the doubles at Curtain, so that's the twenty eighth, and then on the twenty ninth is uh, is our AOS tournament that we're doing, and there's a couple of bits around that as well. So 
yeah, there are more opportunities to meet the peas, the famous peas. We don't provide any form of medical attention or uh, psychological support after having done that. So. No. That's our discussion. No. Yeah, absolutely. Your um, management accepts no responsibility for, <laughs> for any loss <laughs> of 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 sanity. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's like a busy busy April. Lots going on there. What's going on? Um, and Warhammer Fest is is just around the corner. It's just around the corner. So I've mentioned it now, like every, I don't know, three or four times. So I don't. I'm not sure if you can. Um, I mean, it's, it's worth sort of going over some of the the bigger events over the next couple of months, I think, because um, there are some whoppers. Um, you may or may not know that May the 4th is Star Wars Day, and there is a number of um, X-Wing, X-Wing and Star Wars type games events on that. Um, I know that Curtin are running one, and Bristol Independent Gamers are running one. So May the 4th, if you're a Star Wars fan, your local place will almost certainly be doing something um but um other than that next month we've got the south coast gt uh which is a huge huge age of sigma tournament um well established lots of people go to that um that's on the same weekend as warmer fest uh, as well as legionary which is in exeter so there's three big events that weekend um but tough to choose. Yeah, I was disappointed that Legionary is on the same weekend as Warhammer Fest because I've not been for a few years and I I kind of wanted to go. Yeah, but I'm and guys, it, it's you know, please <laughs> don't take offence, but I'm not. I I Warhammer Fest. I have to go to Warhammer Fest. <laughs> um, and then the following following weekend after that, you've got the London GT. That's eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth. That's a that is looking to be massive. Um, and then at the end. At the start of June, you've got the UK Games Expo, which would be really cool if we could go to that, because I'm quite quite excited about going to something like that. Well, I'm going on the Sunday. Are you? Ooh. And I'm hoping you're going to come too. Well, well, we'll have to see. Have to see. So, there we go. That is community. That is the community. Um, guys, thank you for sending in your stuff. Um, it's been really helpful, actually. There's a few of the Local clubs are now sending us regularly updating us with what's going on, and that's been really, really helpful because it it makes keeping this stuff updated really easy. So if you are a club owner or venue or running an event, give us a shout. We'd love to we'd love to talk about your stuff. Yeah, community is our our passion. That's why we 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 chat away, and, and you know it's it's why we one of the things we want to get out doing the podcast is really to meet lots of people in the community and create resources where possible to bring that community together. So thank awesome. you very much. Um, let's move on into the wilds. The wild places. What is with the singing again? Can we go just, it's bad dude as well. All the time. Hi guys, and welcome to Into the Wilds. So, um, we were going to talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because there's, there's murmurings coming from the undergrowth in the wilds that, uh, Games Workshop are getting ready to, to support it a bit more. Oh, right. Okay. So where, what? Really? Yeah. 
Very, I'm not going to say names and I'm not going to, there's nothing definite, but there is, that there, there are rumors that it's going to get a little bit more of a love effectively. But having said Actually, that, Forge that would World. not surprise me at all. I don't know Forge why. Forge World has been ticking along in the background, haven't they? Well, yeah. Stuff, and also, so. is it Amazon or is it Netflix? Who is doing it? Yep. Amazon. And it's like a billion dollars, isn't it? For five series. Yeah. yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, yes, so yeah, well, that, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, cool. The the uh, battle companies is, was re released under or was released under the new title of Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, which uh, I think is an indication of where they're going to be going with it. Um, and I think that's a really good idea because I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but. Um, because I'm a bit of a sad old git, I got quite frustrated with The Hobbit, um, the films, The Hobbit. Um, I liked the first one, uh, but after that it just went downhill fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and without going into too much detail, there's a lot about them I really didn't like um, that undermined a lot of the of the important stuff from the from the other books. And uh, as a result, that kind of bled over onto my uh, my feelings about the game itself. Because I was really, I was hugely into Lord of the Rings, the game. Um, I've got a massive elf army, um, the Last Alliance, um, painted to look like the guys from right at the start of the film one, um, Fellowship of the Ring. That you know that battle line of elves with the swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're then that kind of muted yellowy green. And, well, you know, because you were supposed to paint an all army to Don't, I, do you know, I was wondering when that was coming up. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the release of The Hobbit just, it just took the wind out of my sails. Yeah, really. but, so, I, I didn't mind the films. The films were okay. Um, but I was, I was, um, a store manager when, when The Hobbit came out and we started with the products. And yeah, it was just, I think there was an, ex- I don't know. I don't know. I felt, it felt like there was an expectation that the Hobbit would land and money would fall from the sky and yeah. it didn't happen. And a lot of no. the Hobbit product was, so, well, I personally felt it was priced at a level which was clearly there to, because of the fact that, you know, there was a feeling it would be like Lord of the Rings where people would be just flowing in and just throwing money at it. And it didn't, it didn't really materialize, to be honest. Um, no, but it is a one, which is, it's a wonderful gaming system. Wonderful. Really like it. Um, so it'd be nice to see it get some more support. We've ummed and over it a bit, um, in the local gaming group and getting some battle companies together. Um, and doing that but i'm loathe now because of what you said about them re-releasing it as the middle earth strategy battle game i think it won't be long until the hobbit the big hobbit rule book goes away um well i'm not i i wouldn't take anything i'm saying as definite but it wouldn't surprise me but it's 50 pounds and i don't want to spend 50 pounds on it for it to disappear in six months time no. Or for it to disappear before I'm actually playing. 
Yeah. I suppose. I would love them to drop a whole new Lord of the Rings. I, I mean, the, the models that they've been doing, like, I mean, we would just tell you, I think Smaug, for example, is one of the finest models that has ever been rendered in resin. I think it is stunning. Yeah. Um, and the new, uh, Ring Wraiths, the Nazgul, um, before they became the Ring Wraiths, so the Nazgul of Dol Guldur, um, be- not before they became the Ring Wraiths, but before they sort of incarnated into what we know them as in the books, in their films, um, so with the flowing black robes and that. So they've all got their individual characters. I think they're really good too. Um, and Ed from Warhammer World did a fantastic job of painting those up and getting me really excited about it. Um, recently, I just think there's a lot they have done over the last year that I just absolutely baffled me price wise. That stupid goat chariot is just phenomenally priced. I can't get over it. <laughs> Was it a hundred quid? Mental. Yeah, but Abs- it's got what? Uh, how no. many goats has it got? Six? I, dude, it could be pulled by an army of goats. It could be pulled by a sea of the things. It's a hundred quid is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> sea of goats. I mean, when I saw, and I, I, it's not even a big model. Mind boggling. Anyway, I'm, I'd love them to have more support because Forge World are really quite good at releasing plastic kits now as well. Um, they're getting, they're really finding their feet with it. So if Forge World are going to be the part of the company that is supporting the Lord of the Rings battle game, then that would be excellent. If if they're both kind of double teaming it, so Citadel are doing the plastic stuff or you know expanding their Lord of the Rings range, that that would be wicked too. Because I I think personally some of the the sculpts for some of the character models are just astonishingly close to how they looked in the film. Like the original Elrond's face is is oh, phenomenal it, it's for f- a twenty eighth mirror. Yeah, and so, also when you consider that it was done with green stuff. Yeah. Because actually, I was going to oh. say, like, if you look at the night models stuff for Harry Potter, that yeah. is incredible how close that is. But I don't know how much of that. And I don't want to do a disservice to the sculptors because I don't. But they genu- could have captured someone's face and stuck it in the computer, is what you're saying. Yeah, I genuinely don't know. But yeah, because a lot of that work. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what they keep on file. I could be being a bit crazy here, but a lot of work would have been done capturing those actors because a lot of the work was done on CGI. Yeah. So. So, um, yeah, Lord of the Rings I'm quite excited about, and I, I would love to get my elf army back out again and start um playing that, playing with that. So, and I would like to do an orc army and just bloody beat it into the ground and put this to bed once and for all. I got... About as much chance of growing wings and flying up to Bristol as you have of painting an orc army the size of my elves any time within the next 10 years. Well, yeah, because I probably need about flipping 20 times the number of elves you've got. Yeah, because all And you've got flipping loads of elves. How many elves have you got? Uh, over 100. Yeah. So I got, we got really excited about War of the Ring. Very, so that, that's where it came out. And it and it still was an awesome game. Yeah, I really liked that rule set. Really, really did. Um, I think it paved a lot of paved the way for a lot of other stuff as well. Mm. The Games Workshop have done since. Um, 
Yeah. You'll have to work have out a... how many points of elves you've got and tell me. War of the Ring points or... um. No, because War of the Ring is, is a non-supported game now. Yeah. So, Hobbit, Hobbit-wise. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that's come out recently... Well, I don't know whether it had come out before we released the last episode. It's difficult to tell. Um, it's been Star Wars Legions. Oh, yeah. Which has been extremely well-received. Um, I've been looking at people's attempts at painting the models. I've decided that the Stormtroopers look like they're really hard to paint, and now I'm tempted to get them just to see if I can paint them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, it's interesting because because of the films and because of the weight of background behind them, there is a lot less scope for people to do what they want with them. So a lot of the comments that people were making about them were, oh, those bits are normally black, or that marking's not right. Um, which is quite interesting, actually, because um, people can paint in Space Marine practically whatever they want. Um, but I guess if you, you know, we've all been there with the blonde Ragnar black mains or, or what have you, where you've painted something and someone's gone, oh, you can't have that, the, the chapter symbol's on the other shoulder pad or something. Um, but it's quite interesting looking at another fan community and seeing their reaction. But the models do look good. Um, the re- reviews that I've read, and I posted a pretty good one up, um, say that the models are very easy to put together, which is quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to have gone down really well. So um, I do think, and I, I very much think, that the price point for a plastic box set is very high. What is the what price, you, dude? It's, it's 80 quid. Yeah. And it's nowhere near the volume of of models that you get in, say, Dark Imperium or um, Age of Sigma. Mm. Um, but, apparently, you know, you can get it for cheaper. If you go to play, you know, places like Element Games or what have you, they're, they're doing it for cheaper. So, um, I just, I do think that it is a, quite expensive for what it is. And do you know anything about the mechanic at all? I don't. Um I, I don't do well, I don't know what other people like, but I don't do well picking up the mechanic from watching videos or even reading the rules. I know that might sound stupid. But I've been trying to read the Fallout game system, um, which looks very good, and I, I've got a rough idea of how the, how the rules work, but I need to be able, to, I need to get models out and use them to really get, understand it. Yeah. And know whether I'd like it and know whether I think it flows and the details of it. It seems to me that it works in a very similar way to X-Wing in the sense that there's cards and, you know, you, you buy upgrade packs with the cards for the models in and those cards determine how those models work. Mm. So, um, but actually watching it, it play, I, I think I'd have to have a go at it. But it, that could easily steal away my time because I love Star Wars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that looks like it's um, gone down well. And I'm quite you know, excited to see if um, someone we know plays it, and then I can have a go at it. <laughs> so the models are quite basic, um, assembly-wise. Yes, they are. Yeah, like two very, parts, very a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Looking at them, they must be a. S- I'd be interested to know from anyone that's got it. They look like they must be a softer plastic. 
because of the way they are. I can't see how you could get them together if they were hard plastic. They just break. I think they're hard plastic. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, to go back and um, go over the Fallout thing, it uh, those rules that we mentioned in the last episode they are on their website, Modifius's Games website. Um, the rules themselves are free. Um, they're still being updated regularly. Um, I've had two or three updates since it, I first downloaded it, hmm. but they are sending emails to say we have updated this. Um, you can download the latest version now here. So that's pretty cool. Um, and an interesting way to play test your rules, I think. Yeah, it is. To, uh, to iron out the last kinks, yeah. I suppose. But it's, um, it, the artwork in it is all fantastic. It's very much Fallout, so still very excited about it. So when is and, it, uh, when is it actually dropping? It seems like we've been talking about it for ages. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mind you, that's the way it is now, I suppose. Like Harry Potter, you know, we've seen loads of it. And it, it's not actually... Ben's Ben spent, like, a flipping fortune buying the whole set. And he isn't going to have a miniature in his hand until the middle of September. Really? Yeah. It, it's obviously it's a symptom of, like, the modern age when you all want everything now. But I just can't be dealing with that. If I buy something, I want it to be... I want to have bought it. Yeah. May 2018. Oh, soon then? Yeah, not not too long away now at all. Mm. Yeah, May 2018. So there's some... um, The website sort of streamlined itself out a lot as well. So it's um, it makes a lot more sense. And they talk through everything. And there's loads of 360 views and scale comparisons. um, That's cool on there so it, it's it makes a lot more sense if you see what i mean yes so um yeah oh dude i'm i've i could just go mental for fallout some of this stuff is so wicked i mean even the desk and the computers i'm like oh there's a desk because they're so unique in Fallout universe, like the the way the computer looks and the fact that they've actually made them so wicked. Good. Really, really wicked. So there we go. I mean, other than I'm going to be playing Gaslands next week, which I'm really excited about, um, I haven't got much else to talk about. <laughs> we can let everybody uh, have a rest, rest their ears. Yeah. Well, here we are then. Anymore, that is episode 21. Um, we what are we going to do now? We're going to go back to two weeks again. Yeah, we're going to go back to two weeks. Going back yeah. to two weeks. So, um, be back with you again in two weeks from uh, from the Wednesday this one comes out. Um, guys, thank I you very much. Because I've got the calendar up. What we could say the date. So Ooh. it would be. So this one will be with you on the eleventh. So it will be the twenty fifth. We'll be aiming for the next one. Oh, there we go. So twenty fifth out for the next one. Um. Thank you, as ever, for all the social media interactions. Um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the Two Piece Podcast, YouTube, on there as well. Yep, we are um, on YouTube, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few people listen to us through YouTube. So, that's cool. Um, thank you very much. Ben, anything more from you, sir? I don't think so. Have a great hobby, guys. Yeah, um, enjoy and your we hobby. We will see. 
See you in two weeks, if not sooner. Cheers, guys. Bye.